Welcome to another episode of Saints and Sinners Unplugged. I am Pastor Ken Jones, and I'm joined by our regular co-hosts, Pastor Jose Prado, Pastor Aldo Leon, and Pastor David Menendez. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about um, the gospel and the church and the importance of transcendence when we gather, even in a sense, uh, transcendence when we scatter, when we disperse to our homes and communities and so forth. Uh, I want to further that conversation, and I want to begin to today by um, with, with the an observation that the church itself is a kingdom entity, and by that, what we mean is the church has been established by God in the world, and therefore, even though it is subject secondarily to uh, the rules of good behavior as it relates to the kingdom of man. But in terms of its practice and in terms of its purpose, it is defined by a kingdom agenda rather than a political or a national or a local agenda. That we are, in essence, the forerunner of the kingdom of God. So in the very same way that uh, Jesus in the Gospels uh, tells the Pharisees that the kingdom of God is in your midst. Well, the church being established by Christ is a manifestation of the kingdom of God. So you're saying America may be beautiful, but it ain't the kingdom. Right, <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and that's one of the, the things that we want to talk about in that regard. What happens when we don't get that right? Hmm. When we look at the church being first and foremost as or as being tied to a geopolitical entity, or we look at, at relative freedoms that we have in this nation or whatever, and we think that God favors a nation. But God, God shed his grace on thee. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, how do, we, how do we critique that without right. sounding yeah. unpatriotic? Unpatriotic, no, that's a challenge. Because I think there's this uh, entanglement of uh, patriotism slash Christianity. In, in a lot of circles, in a lot of, you know, I can speak for myself and some of the fundamentalist um, Baptist circles that I have come to know, mm -hmm. it seems as if they are looking for a revival, a spiritual revival that is in tandem with some sort of a renewal of American politics in one, in the direction in which they envision it. Yeah. So, so if we so were the city of the city of uh, on the hill, it's at, yes. literally the city in Washington D.C. Yes. Yes. Hmm. And and that was, you know, let's be honest about this. That was the mistake, I think, of some of the forefathers of our nation that they thought they were establishing the hmm. kingdom on the hill. Hmm. And I would say that many in in succeeding generations have followed up with that with that that language and that rhetoric. And we make this one-to-one -one correlation to national Israel in the Old Testament, and therefore we proclaim that America is that hill, that that city on on a hill. I think something that's important and uh, in, in addressing like what what is a kingdom is going back to creation because I think that's where the the general parameters are set for the kingdom. In the very beginning, you have the kingdom being given to a specific individual a representative in whom the rest of humanity is tied to so god gives commands to you know obey his law 
in a particular place to a particular person and in that person responding correctly, the rest of humanity is represented in that person. And so from the very beginning, uh, the kingdom of God was in a particular place with a particular representational kind of person given God's law and everyone else is attached to him. And so the kingdom was more about a particular unique someone that represents us as opposed to just general ethics or ideas or, or, or concepts. Well, um, well to, and to that point, uh, as you said, it's, it's established the idea of God's kingdom being manifest in the earth begins with Adam. Right. And it's followed up by, by God giving him dominion. And he is to exercise dominion over everything that God had created. It's also seen um, the, the, the forfeiting of that, of that ruling God's kingdom in the way that it was originally intended. Isn't that seen in, the, uh, in Adam being exiled from the garden? Right. And even the place then was closed off. If, yes. if the kingdom at that time was associated with a particular geographical location, place, country, so to speak, that place we have been banished from and it's been closed off. And so when we look at, at uh, national Israel, when God makes the promise to Abraham that I will give you a land, isn't he reaffirming or reasserting uh, the, the promise of the kingdom as Adam would have understood it or, or would have uh, had access to had he not sinned. So the promise is to give to Abraham and his descendants this, this land. And in this land, it, and it's, it's very specific in terms of the land and the territory, but he is to give him this land. And in that land, God's people, his covenant people, are to establish his rule. They are not to be like the rest of the nations. Well, that's, is, that's not in and of itself. That's not by, I mean, you know, that doesn't just stand by itself. That's connected to something else. So the coming of Christ is the coming of the kingdom. And therefore, in, in Revelation, we see a return to the very language and imagery that you see in Genesis with the kingdom of God coming down out of heaven and it's the entire earth. And you, and you also have that same paradigm that, that God makes a covenant with a specific individual, Abraham, and in that particular individual that represents all those who are you know, attached to him, then those promises come about. And we understand that Abraham obviously is mostly about the, you know, the greater Abraham that comes right. later. But still, it's that same paradigm that the kingdom is God dealing with the specific individual who embodies and represents all the rest of those who are attached to that individual. Um, and I mean, that, 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 that framework is very significant when we get to its consummation or its fulfillment in Christ, because it doesn't, obviously it, it goes from promise to fulfillment from type to, to reality, but it's still, it's still in that same framework that, that was from the very beginning. Because fundamentally, the kingdom of God is God dwelling with man, right? Right. And uh, then you're saying that God dwells with man through a representative, a federal head, and this is Christ. Yeah. Um, but I guess the mistake or the, the inclination of men today is to associate a particular nation, whether it be the continuation of Israel today and mm -hmm. then Israel in partnership then with America— uh, somehow this is where the kingdom is at work 
This is somehow by virtue of maybe hearkening back to the past with Israel and then America or other countries supporting Israel, Mm -hmm. somehow that is what the kingdom of God is at work because there's an identification with a particular geographical locale or nation, in this case, Israel. Right, yeah. But how do we make the— Even Jesus spoke uh, against that kind of view of the kingdom of God when the Pharisees asked him, you know, when's the kingdom coming? Right. Right. And, and yeah. Jesus answered them in Luke 17, uh, uh, verse um, 20. He says, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, hmm. nor will they say, look, here it is or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And so he right. he makes that connection of the kingdom of God being him. Yes. Uh, himself. Indeed. Yeah. I think that is really crucial, um, even though we have to affirm that Israel in its redemptive Mm-hmm. historical context of, uh, of in the Old Testament played a significant role in preparing the way for the coming of Messiah and illustrating yeah. and anticipating right. yeah. all the promises that had been made to Abraham that would be fulfilled in Christ, but not to have reference only. Well, Jesus to a, is the greater Israel. Exactly. Right, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and historically, mm-hmm. obviously, Israel as, as God's people in 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 the, the the region of Canaan, they were a it, they were typological right. of a greater reality. Yeah. But re- historically, they were a Christian nation. Sure. The laws that that governed them. Yeah. The sacrifices that that made them acceptable before God. All of that made them genuinely a Christian nation. Mm-hmm. But now let me just kind of play on that a little bit also because what does that mean if Adam lost the kingdom if he if he forfeited his right to rule mm-hmm. in god's kingdom then does god forfeit his right to rule all of humanity in other words here's where where people get confused on this when paul uses the language in second corinthians and he talks about the god of this world does that mean that god forfeits his authority and let satan <coughs> govern this world no, absolutely not. Um, but indeed, Satan has established, let's say, a beachhead, right? A foothold mm-hmm. in this world. So the world that was created good, Satan, um, by his temptation, was able to get God's representative on the earth to be corrupted. Thereby, God's dominions have been corrupted. Yes. And God is going to restore that. He is in the business, and that was his plan. To bro- yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think when we think of the kingdom of God, obviously, you know, God is the sovereign ruler over over all the universe. And I mean, we, we see like scriptures like uh, Psalm 103, for instance, tells us the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Mm-hmm. And so he is the sovereign ruler. Uh, of all, I think when when um, when it, when Scripture speaks or when Paul speaks of uh, Satan as being the ruler of this world, uh, it's speaking of of how of the kind of uh, influence uh, mm-hmm. that Satan has over over fallen men, over fallen creature that has that has rejected God, you know, and has and and has given into the temptations of Satan. Yeah. Well, so so two impulses that are corrupt as part of our fallen nature one is to worship 
and the other is to rule. Both of those are contaminated in the fall. So men always seek to govern, but their the epistemology, so to speak, of their of their authority always goes back to self, rather than understanding that we are all under the rule of a sovereign God. And, and his impulse to worship is going to be, again, like his impulse to rule. It's in rebellion to God's rule and in rebellion to God's right as the only one who is to be worshipped. Yeah. I think something else is important in the conversation because I think sometimes like when we... When we're going somewhere with this conversation, but the idea is like, well, God's His kingdom is over everything, not just over the spiritual institution, which is the church. Um, but God's kingdom is not just an issue of dominion, but it's an issue of relationship. Hmm. And there's an ethical relationship that that must be consistent with God's character, which would enable God to rule. Um, in an appropriate way. So, and yes, God is ruler um, over all reality, but because all reality is ethically uh, separated from God because they're guilty and, and and sinful, therefore His rule in that sense is 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 it is there's something um, different about that as opposed to how God rules over those in creation whom He has now ethically restored by the gospel. And so there's a, there's a, there's a, you know, God is a covenant God who relates to his creation covenantally. And that's, that's, you know, always has to be in, in, in a manner consistent with his righteous moral character. And so until God um, restores the ethical gap through redemption with things in creation or people in creation, um, that's, that, that rule is not necessarily like a, it, it must be distinguished. Otherwise, mm -hmm. we talk about God's, kingdom almost have, as this kind of blanket um, unqualified statement um, and we begin to say that God rules in the same way over unredeemed unreconciled yes. people things situations and he does in those who have been reconciled and, and all of a sudden redemption is the particularity of redemption is lost right well let me let me put it in, in, in this form then so when we talk about the church being a kingdom entity what what does that statement mean and what is it what does it not mean to say that the church is a kingdom entity so what does it mean first off and then what is it that it doesn't mean because i think there's confusion on both sides of that well i think it means that the church is an entity that has been created by god and uh and that is under god's rule mm -hmm. um that and that's what it means by the church being a kingdom entity. So he's like his redemptive re reconciliatory rule. And, yeah. and of course, uh, Jesus' words at Caesarea Philippi affirms that, and, and certainly all of the messianic prophecies, many of the messianic prophecies intimate that. But when Jesus, when he uh, acknowledges, you know, this is that, uh, when, when he talks about Peter's confession, and he says, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father who was in heaven. And then he goes on to say, upon this rock, I will build my church. So he is the architect of the church. It's a divine institution. And it is other. It is literally, in the most literal sense, the church is an otherworldly institution. Yeah, by yeah. virtue of being the, um, their reconciled realm. 
Yes. It's the Lord's reconciled realm. And we have and we have to go back to Christ. There's there's a um, there's a passage in Hebrews two two. Uh, we read this many times in this show. It says, for and Hebrews two five. It says, for he has not subjected to angels the world to come that we are talking about, but once somewhere testify, what is man that you remember him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him lower than the angels for a short time. You crowned him with honor and glory and subjected everything under his feet. For in subjecting everything to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. As it is, we don't yet see everything subjected to him, but we do see Jesus made lower than the angels for a short time so that by God's grace, he might taste death for everyone, crowned with glory and honor because of his suffering and death. So Adam was the original representative, moral representative who you know, embodied the kingdom and all those attached to him. Christ now in himself is that representative who embodies the kingdom. So the kingdom is Christ mm-hmm. as the one who replaces Adam. Mm-hmm. And we have to start there. If the kingdom is Jesus Christ himself, which is why he makes statements like the kingdom of God is among you. It's already at hand. That's right. Yeah. And there wasn't, there wasn't any sort of visible, tangible representations that, but he was there. He was the, he was it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we need to begin with the kingdom is Christ himself mm-hmm. in himself, not not some uh, kind of, you know, general yeah. authoritative kind of elements of reality, but but Christ himself. That's right. For God dwells with him by the spirit without measure. Yeah. For he is, as you were saying, true Israel, mm-hmm. but he's also true mankind. Mm-hmm. And he's also true king mm-hmm. and true priest or worshiper and true wise men. So, so when so, when Paul speaks in the New Testament of us, number one, being translated out of the kingdom yes. of darkness into the kingdom of his son, and when he says that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, then what he is doing for Christians individually and the church corporately is identifying us by virtue of our union with Christ. That's so right. what is true of him yeah. is true of us. So in that sense, yeah. the church is not an entity of man it is it is a heavenly entity it is and we'll talk about the the dynamics of the already and the not yet but the church itself is a kingdom entity The the very essence of the nature of the church that makes it god's kingdom it's its new birth yeah you know i mean when jesus says for instance corinthians 15 first corinthians 15 i mean uh paul says you know i tell you this brothers flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So, the, you know, uh, the very essence of us being the kingdom of God as the church is that we have come from being perishable mm-hmm. to now being to being re- reborn or right. birthed uh, as, as imperishable in Christ, that yeah. union with Christ. Yeah. So what then does it not mean? Because I think people, as, as you mentioned, um, Aldo, that sometimes when people talk about the kingdom of God, they speak of it in indiscriminate in an indiscriminate way. That and and what we, and in other words, that and which is one of the, the uh, part of the rationale for people who say, well, I don't need to go to church to worship. Mm. I can worship anywhere because God has created all things, and so I can worship God. You know, as much as at, at the Grand Canyon as I can in in a sanctuary. So, how do we answer that? What is it that we don't mean when yeah, we say yeah. that the church is God's kingdom? It is a it is it is a kingdom entity. So, if if uh, on a broad level, if the kingdom is 
Christ, who is a reconciliation on those that have been reconciled in him, mm-hmm. then anything that's outside of that parameter, even though it may have a lot of good benefits for society, for men, mm-hmm. for our collective enterprise and humankind, it's not the kingdom. Right. Because it's the realm of the reconciled in Christ. That is the kingdom. Yeah. yeah. In, in other words, what David is saying is that any other institution not birthed in Christ right. is not the kingdom. It's not the mm. kingdom. And so whether, whether it's governments, right. nations, yes. uh, you, you know, businesses i mean mm-hmm. there, there's no such thing as That's that right. being a kingdom but but again it, it, for the sake of clarity although government is not a part human government and, and governing institutions are not a part of the kingdom of god that does not mean god's authority is not the ultimate yeah. authority That's Absolutely. right. Definitely. Yeah, and he and and he doesn't work through it. Yeah. Yes. Those institutions. Well, as and, Paul says in in uh, Romans that all who govern they govern because God has appointed them to govern, and they are His ministers. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So we can say that the king, what, the so, king's hearts, and it's in the Lord's hand. Yes. Yeah. So God rules creation and the world through different sources of authority in the world, mm-hmm. but uh, there's a particular organism in the world or realm that has been reconciled with God through Christ, and that is. Yeah specifically the kingdom of God on the earth. Well, you know, and I, I think of Old Testament passages as well. We, we know that when national Israel occupied the, the territory of, of Canaan or um, the, the, the promised land, God called them his kingdom and they were his people. But he also acknowledged that all of the other nations were subject to him. That's right. And in fact, <laughs> you know, they in, when, when he's ready to chasten uh, Israel for their 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 sin and their violation of the of the covenant, then he says that he will use his servant uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Yes, you know when he when he threatens to 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 exile them, he says you know you will serve my servant Nebuchadnezzar. So God is sovereign, but in terms of an embassy of His kingdom, because man forfeited the right to rule God's kingdom with Adam. But God, in his grace, still governs his world, even among deluded humans. He governs his world, beginning first with the family, the, the, the individual mm-hmm. families that he calls to faith, right. then through the promise that he gives to Abraham, then through the establishment of national Israel, but always with the promise of a coming Messiah who will be a covenant prophet, priest, and king and reestablish the kingdom that was lost by, by Adam. Right. Would that be accurate? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's a lot that we can go here. In fact, in our next uh, session, I want to talk about um, some particulars, especially in terms of eschatology. Yeah, and and the church being God's kingdom, the representation of God's kingdom until His kingdom on the earth is fully consummated in the return of Christ. So there's, there are many angles that we're going to look at here. Some might be a little uncomfortable for some of our listeners, but I hope they will hear us clearly. And that's why I wanted to talk about what we mean and what we don't mean. And we still love America. And we still love America. Yeah. I just don't need the flag in my sanctuary. Yeah. I'll have it in my car. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us here on Saints and Sinners Unplugged. We look forward to being with you again next week.